Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? My name is Craig Stout. I am the defensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, where every week, myself, Matt Lane, and Kent Swanson get together to discuss the X's and O's of Kansas City Chiefs football. This week, we are without Kent Swanson. He is sailing somewhere in the Caribbean right now. So it's me and at Chief in Carolina, Matty Lane. Matty, how are we doing? Oh man, I like that we get to re-nickname ourselves. So I can I just be like the draft analysis? Yes. For Arrow yes. Pride, like I, I don't want you, anything. You're to do with the everything analysis. Just no, I just want to be purely the draft. Draft purely. and food takes come to me. That's it. Ugh. I'm out on everything else. Well, we probably need to take the food takes away from Kent anyway. So that that works yeah, out. Yeah. What's me. this? Yeah, he's like out here like having memorial service for the bar chicken finger sandwich being gone from a barbecue joint please i mean q39 even knew it was the right move to take that off its menu i don't i don't want to hear him talk about that sandwich anymore i don't want to hear him grieve for that sandwich anymore it's off the menu it's good it wasn't barbecue it's good so maddie um uh, first let's get a little housekeeping out of the way um they tell us five star reviews are good uh, five out of five stars, not like five out of a hundred stars. Don't, don't try and, you know, try and do the percentage there. Five star reviews are good, uh, on any of your podcast platforms. If you can go and give the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel five stars, that would be great. Like, subscribe, get these on your phone, your podcast app, whatever it is. Every time that we record a new one of these, it'll just go right to you, and then you get to hear our beautiful voices. And if you don't like us, just just give us a five star and 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 tell us you don't like us anyway. But anyway, Maddie, I mean, you can give us a five star review and tell us that you hate us in the review. That's completely That's fine. If it's funny, we might even read it live on a podcast one time. Oh, now now we're encouraging it. That that's. That's a bad move, man. That's a bad move. If it comes with a five-star review, it's okay. I'll sell out. Yeah. It's okay. I'm, I'm not right. Kent. I can do this. <laughs> okay, Matt. Before we get into the Q&A, you were telling me that you're going to drop a, a, a big take or a big question on us right now, and you're going to put me on the spot, so I, I, I need to hear it. Yeah, I got a thanker for you, but I was going to save it for next week when we got Kent back, but nah, I'll probably forget it by then and I'll have a bunch <laughs> of other crazy questions that come in. So first, I encourage people in the Twitch stream to go ahead and put their answers in the comment section. If we find a good one, I might yell it out too. But here's my question for you, Craig. Hypothetically, Chiefs go on to win the Super Bowl this year. It's good. I mean, it's not like a complete blasting, you know, 19 and 0 season, but they go this, on to win the Super Bowl. This doesn't sound like a hypothetical right now, but continue. Yeah, well, hypothetically, Andy Reid decides to walk off into the sunset. He's done. He's got his ring now. He's going out on top. He is the man. He's out. Who is the Chiefs' head coach next year? 
Eric B. Enemy. You think so? I think so. I think it's either Eric B. Enemy or Steve Spagnuolo. I think if the defense turned it around, if the defense was like top 10, I think there's a shot that they give it to Steve Spagnuolo. But I think Andy has groomed this in such a way that if he did walk away next year, I think it's B. Enemy with Kafka as the offensive coordinator. All right, so that was my question, was would Kafka be the OC? All right, so then here's the next question. The defense obviously has to improve a little bit to win the Super Bowl. Do we think Steve mm-hmm. Spagnuolo is going to stay here just as the DC if they win the Super Bowl, or do you think a team's going to come knocking for him to be a head coach? Because we know he wants to be a head coach again. So if mm-hmm. you're going to lose Andy and Steve, do you still go with Biennemi? Or would I, you go with Steve to uh, not lose both guys? Now, see, I think... And I'm just reading tea leaves here. I I do think that Steve Spagnuolo wants to be a head coach. I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think that if they spun it around and they went top 10, then I I think that Steve Spagnuolo is getting a head coaching job somewhere. I don't think it's necessarily Kansas City in that situation. I think he's getting a head coaching job somewhere. Brendan Daly has the run game coordinator attached to him. That's it's they gave him a secondary title. That tells you how much they like him. I think if Steve Spagnuolo moves on regardless of if they win the Super Bowl or not or if Andy Reid is here or not, if if they are good and Steve Spagnuolo gets a head coaching job, I think the defensive coordinator job is Brendan Daly's to lose. Okay, so we think we were able to get Matt House away from Kentucky to be the third I in know. line for the D.C. See, but <laughs> here, here's the thing. How we've seen the way that Andy Reid offensive coordinators get coaching jobs, right? That's, That's true. That, that they, this true. is a factory for that. If all of a sudden you have Steve Spagnuolo spinning around becoming a head coach, Brendan Daly maybe sets up for a couple of years because Matt House would then be the defensive coordinator. Like if Brendan Daly or uh, Brendan Daly moves on, Matt House would be the defensive coordinator in that situation if Eric Bieniemy is still coaching this team. So I think that there's right. a logical line of progression there. So I I, I don't know. I, I I am unsure about Steve Spagnuolo getting <laughs> a head coaching job, but I am certain that he wants one. So I, I, I think right. they have a line of progression there. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I just think that's kind of what I was curious about is like assuming they win the Super Bowl and I mean, and maybe Steve Spagnuolo doesn't get a head coaching job right afterwards. He's done it before, I guess kind of one and a half times now. And while the halftime wasn't really a good, wasn't a fair judgment of him, his first time with the Rams didn't go great by any means. But I think if he proves himself again with the Chiefs, there's a chance he's going to get some interviews. I think he even had some potential interviews the time before. He just didn't get one that he really wanted, and they didn't seem to click. So if he gets a chance, then yeah, you're down to Daly, House defensive coordinator. Daly's got the title, so I would agree he's ahead. It's just an interesting interesting thought process to have your top offensive mind and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo go out the door in the same season. And then just and not that Eric Bieniemy hasn't proven that he should get a head coaching gig, just you're sure, replacing sure. a lot if you lose both those guys at once is my only thought process. Well, and let's think about it this way as well. If the Chiefs defensive line is great this next year, which it has every potential of being, I mean, with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, a motivated Alex Okafor, Ogba, maybe an unmotivated speaks. We'll get to that in a second. 
if they if they are great this year, is there any way that Brendan Daly doesn't get defensive coordinator sniffs? Like if, if no, Steve Spagnuolo is not getting the head coaching jobs, then Brendan Daly could be moving on somewhere else. No, for sure. And I think you're even going to get the same thing from Matt House if you get mm-hmm. good linebacker play too, which oh, he's working with yeah. a lot less. But I think that he had a pretty good reputation coming out of Kentucky. So like that's why I just feel like there has to be a little bit of promise to him too. Mm-hmm. So just it feels like the Spags defensive coordinator move has to be not has to be short term, but to keep the assistance that he brought in, I don't think you're going to get three to five years out of Steve Spagnuolo as your defensive coordinator. If it's working out for Spags, it's working out for Daly and House, and those two guys are hot enough names that they're going to go on their way to some a better job too. It's just going to be hard to keep everybody in for house sure. right now, and this is all dependent on Andy leaving. If Andy decides to return, obviously things right. get even more weird. But and we got a lot of we did get a, a couple Tobe answers, and I think I think the thing with Tobe is you've just heard back through some grapevine stuff that his interviews don't always go great when he goes in for these head coaching gigs. Not that he doesn't deserve them because he gets a ton every year. Just there's a reason that he's been the guy that's going to get like three, four interviews every year for three, four years now, and he hasn't had mm-hmm. one land. Just he may not be what a lot of GMs are looking for as a head coach. Not that he wouldn't fit in here, but I would lean towards the enemy over him at this point. Yeah, I would too. All right, let's get into some questions. The This first segment here, we're going to do defensive questions to lead off with. So here we go. Thanks, everybody, for your Twitter questions. Uh, at Zach8608, will Breland Speaks actually look like he belongs on the field with the new defensive scheme and position, or is he going to wind up as a wasted second round pick regardless of scheme? Hashtag sacks, not snacks. Let me tell you something, guys. Zach sent that this afternoon before the infamous pictures hit Twitter. Matt, Maddie, <laughs> what do you think? I actually want to focus on the hashtag of sacks, not snacks, because I'm immediately thinking that Breland's going to become our Damon Har- Damian Harrison. <laughs> right? Snacks? He's going to play our nose to oh, Okay. Hey, Sorry. there you go. Um, yeah. I do think that Speaks, technically speaking, and like his usage for the team should take a step forward, and he will be put in useful situations. If you, if Brendan Daly, from what we've seen with him with the Patriots, can't put him in useful situations, like, I mean, you've seen some guys for New England that have not been great players that have been successful and you never know how much of that is Bill Belichick but Brendan Daly seems to have a lot of respect around there so I do expect him to be in better positions for him to succeed just those pictures don't inspire confidence in me it just doesn't seem like he's had the kind of offseason you'd want to see for a rookie that didn't necessarily play up to his draft slot last year yeah I it's a little bit scary to me it's not a little bit scary it's a lot of bit scary he looked the same size as Derek Naughty he looked the same size as Justin Hamilton you had you had Okafor standing off of his shoulder and Okafor looks like he's chiseled out of granite compared to him and he's not even the guy that everybody talks about I mean Agba was the guy that's like jacked and Tano is jacked Okafor is like the lighter one of the defensive ends (laughs) he just it, it speaks does not look great and I'm a little worried. I mean, it makes sense that they would maybe bulk him up a little bit to move him inside. I just can't see a situation where they let him go this offseason with this coaching change and Brendan Daly being the type of personality that we know that he is. He is an aggressive guy. He holds dudes accountable. I don't think that there is a situation where the Chiefs really let 
Breland Speaks just get his weight that far out of hand without checking on him, without knowing about it. I mean, he's been in the building for you know a, a few weeks now. This isn't like the first time they've seen him. It's the first time they've done OTAs, but he's been there for some workouts and things like that. They knew what they had in him. I, I think maybe this is them trying to bulk him up a little bit. So this, the crazy part yeah. is it's not even good weight though. It's not like he's just it's comes not. in looking bigger. He comes in looking bad, but I can at least almost excuse it if the plan is to play him inside. And again, this is, these are still pictures. Maybe they're mm-hmm. just very unflattering, but this is the second batch of unflattering still pictures for Breland speaks. So it's just, it's just something to monitor going forward. I uh, absolutely uh, at Dar- Dan Barnett 22 should Veach go after Gerald McCoy and what's the likelihood that it actually happens well I think as we've said now we already have our next three tech in Breland speaks <laughs> so I'm not sure we need another um I think McCoy's going to be out of the price range that makes sense for the Chiefs like he certainly helps the Chiefs he would make them a better team as a sub package mm-hmm. pass rusher a lot like he was with Tampa last year. People don't realize that. He was not an every-down player last year for the Bucks, So he would be the same role. Just You're still paying him way too much money that I think the Chiefs should spend at that position right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. Uh, they've got a lot of young guys. They like Justin Hamilton. They like Colin Saunders. They've got Chris Jones. They've got Naughty. And then they've got Ogba and Speaks that can kick inside and rush from the interior. I just think that that gets a lot it just gets very crowded in the interior of that room. I I would think that you know that that would be eight to ten million dollars that maybe could be spent better elsewhere. Now here's the funny part: he might go to the Patriots or the Colts or the Browns, a team that the Chiefs might have to see in the playoffs. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, we may regret maybe not trying to get him in house. Oh, but, he's going to a playoff team. Just hopefully he, he chooses hopefully he chooses an NFC South team to stick it to the Bucks, especially oh. if they go get Sue and give him McCoy's number. Hopefully oh he goes goodness. to like the Saints or something, but Motivation. he's going to a playoff team. Yes. Right. Uh at the main event 2K, do you think the Chiefs defense takes a step back to start the year adjusting to a more advanced scheme? I don't know if a step back is really the right term because they can't really go too much farther back from from where they were, but maybe a slow start, I, I can see it. I, I can. I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that were on this team last year that maybe are going to have to adjust to the intensity, adjust to uh, the aggressiveness and the randomness I guess I can call it that uh, you know what what Spagnolo's doing it's not going to be static there's not going to be specific personnel groupings that are going to force different players on the field you can almost autopilot some of the things that Bob did Spagnolo is going to be aggressive and he's going to switch things up a lot I think there could be some growing pains there but I also think that they are equipped to deal with it with this coaching staff with Honey Badger with Frank Clark they've got guys that are going to hold those young guys accountable on the field I, I think that if there is a slow start it won't last for very long yeah, and there's going to be some like schematic breakdowns. You know, guys are going to blow some coverages. Players are going to get out of position like you're going to do with any new defense. And especially when you have so many new players that haven't played on this. I mean, what are we up to? Like nine new starters for this defense this year? Seven. Seven. seven nine. Yeah. Seven. Should be nine. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, it should be nine. I'm going with. But, um, <laughs> so, you mean, you have all these new starters. They've never played with each other. They don't know how each other think out there on the field. And then you have a new scheme. And 
I don't want to say it's the most overly complex scheme in the world, but it's definitely not super basic either. Like there's some good rules to get it established, but you're going to have blown coverages and that's going to come with the territory. Just got to move on by it and just keep going. You're just looking for the consistency to build throughout the year. And I think it will definitely do that with Spags in charge. Yeah. Uh, at Chief DG, which group do you think will make a bigger positive impact on the cornerbacks this year? The defensive line creating pressure or improved safety play? All right. This is a rant that I've been holding in for a week now. So there's this Ooh. new thing going around on Twitter about the Chiefs corners being like better than what everybody's fearing and how they weren't that big of an issue last year. And I get it. The safeties were, in fact, much worse than the corners last year. No argument for me. This Chiefs cornerback group is not really good. They're not. And I know some people like to float out that the Chiefs might like these corners more than the fans do. Are we so sure about that? We're going on Brashad Breland. We tried to get him as a low ball one-year deal last year. He didn't take it and left. We brought him back and said, hey, let's try this again. We're going to give you a one-year low base, high, not even high, just like middling incentive deal that if you play okay, you still just get a middling salary. Kendall Fuller hasn't been re-signed yet. Yeah, he's a solid cornerback. He really is, and I think he'll be better this year than last year. But if they were super confident in him, he would already be extended. And then you have Traverius Ward, and he's your only guy that's really on the roster beyond this year. They looked at Ronald Darby hard in free agency, whether it was the injuries that he couldn't come here, they couldn't agree to terms, whatever it was, they went after a number one type corner when he's healthy in free agency. That already tells you something right there. They at least met with Darquez Denard. Again, not great, but that's who they were kind of considering with Bashad Breland. They had like, I would say a third of their pre-draft visits were all cornerbacks anywhere from round one to round seven. So it's not like they weren't interested in more corners. This idea that the Chiefs were okay with the corners they had, I think, is very much misplaced confidence in their group. The Chiefs are telling you what they think. They're looking at corners. They have nobody on the roster besides Ward and a bunch of rookies or second-year players at cornerback. The cornerback group isn't good. They do need help. And I do think the safeties, to answer the actual question from Chief Boy <laughs> RD here, is that the safeties are going to help the most based on how much they're going to be able to help them in kind of the match zone system here. But at the same time, the cornerbacks need to upgrade going forward. And I don't think the Chiefs have the confidence that's kind of floating around Twitter right now. How dare you <laughs> sit on Rashad Fenton like that? I mean, oh, my man is out here. They love his technique. They love his technique, Maddie. Come on now. Now, I, I, I agree with that. We saw too often the linebackers and the safeties were the problem last year. And I, not to say the cornerbacks weren't a problem because they were too. Uh, it, they were not uh, you know absolved of any blame. But the linebackers and the safeties in coverage were significantly worse than the corners. I think that maybe this puts a little more of a focus on the cornerbacks. I think maybe we see them targeted a little more often than we did last year, and maybe that results in some bad looks here because there will be situations in the match coverages where they will be isolated and they will have to carry vertically down the field and you know kind of take a quarter of the field. But we are going to find that out. We saw what a good defensive line looked like with the cornerbacks last year. It didn't really matter. They were still able to get the ball out quicker. And again, scheme will help with that. But yes, the having two good safeties back there, not none, until Jordan Lucas came in. And then an okay Choo -choo. safety back there. 
<laughs> then uh, I think that that make that will make the biggest difference of those two. Uh, at Mr. C. David, this is a three-parter. We'll, in, we'll answer them individually. Where will the Chiefs rank in pass and rush defense this year, and where would you set the over-under on scoring D? Okay. Where will they rank in pass and rush defense this year? I think the run defense will actually be good. I'm going to say the run defense is going to be top 15. We're going to go top 12. I think the run defense is going to be that good this year. That's for starters. Pass D, I think, is going to be closer to 15, 16, 17. So nearing the middle of the top 20. We're going to go top 20 for the passing defense. We're going to go top 12 for the run defense. And the over-under on the scoring D so I think that would put me, we're going to say 15th. I see. I, I, yeah, that's about where I have it. I think I'm I'm going to say 10 on run D. I think that they've got the bodies up front. I mean, we, we saw what Steve Spagnuolo has done with some heavier defensive lines. I we we looked at it, and I'm actually going to talk about this a little later in the week on our second podcast a little bit, but... Damon Harrison was a tackle monster in that defense. He was a nose tackle that his stats were ludicrous for we solo We looked it up, tackles. right? Wasn't it like he was top three yes. both years? Yes. Like second and third on the team Sorry. in solo tackles like his two years there. Insane. Yeah. It's not even it's a full-time player. It's a situation player. where, yeah, I, it's the, the attacking you know, with one gap defense, I, I think it lends itself well to helping stop, you know, uh, the running offenses that are available right now. So I think that they're going to be top 10 run defense, but I think 20-ish is about right with with the pass coverage right now. If they add a corner, I am willing to bump that up top 15, and then we're talking floating around the 10-ish mark for uh, scoring defense. Uh, second part, will Anthony Hitchens live up to his contract? Here we go. Um, I am going to have the hottest of hot takes right now. Anthony Hitchens will live up to his contract, but all he's got to do is be average because $9 million for an inside linebacker right now is dirt cheap compared to what these guys are getting paid. $17 million. He's making half what the top linebackers in the league are making. If he is average, then he has lived up to his contract. It's going to get ludicrous as these contracts start rolling in in the next couple of years. He's all of a sudden going to seem like a bargain by comparison. So here's the question. Is the linebacker market going to do what the safety market did and all of a sudden stall out because it gets too high that it's ridiculous until the cream of the crop guys get out there again? Like how Barry got, but Thomas got paid, Harrison Smith got paid, Barry got paid, and then you kind of had a lull where these really good safeties just weren't going to get paid because of what they gave to those guys. So when Quan Alexander inevitably doesn't live up to his contract, unfortunately, <laughs> and CJ Mosley's good but aging and not great anymore, like superstar great anymore, the uh -huh. next round, unless it's Luke Keekley, are people really going to be getting 14, 15, 16 million anymore? I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, Hitchens has to play average, and he's living up to roughly what he got paid. I still don't think that when he signed I think you got to go by when he signed it, and based on what the market was last year, I can't say that I see him living up to it. But Boom. that's okay. 
that's okay. He can fill a role. That's the whole thing about Spags defense. You got to fill a role. This is a much more New Englandish approach. You don't have to be the best overall player. You just have to be good enough at a role that you're going to be asked to do. Yeah. Uh, then this one, uh, we're going to put us on the spot here oh. because I, I haven't thought about this beforehand, but, uh, who is your favorite non AP analyst that we all need to follow on Twitter? I I'm going to take an easy out here, Matt, and I might be taking your guy, nah. Zach Hicks, oh, that's a good uh, one. stampede blue. Uh, he is SB, uh, the Colts SB nation site. We met up with him at the senior bowl. Uh, he knows a lot about the draft. He's a very good analyst. The Colts are going to be good for a little while here, guys. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of them. We struck up a good conversation before that Colts playoff game. We stuck up, struck up a good conversation at the Senior Bowl. The, the, the guy knows his stuff. Search for Zach Hicks. Uh, he, he's a great follow. No, that's a great one. Um, I think that's really good. I think I got you beat. I'm going to go with uh, Chiefs reporter, uh, BJ uh, Kissel. Make sure you follow him for your Chiefs news. That's <laughs> no. All right, but to give you guys a, another one, also follow Tiger Tracker. You got to see what Tiger Woods is up to anymore. We're, we're after those Masters. We're going for them. We want those PGA championships. Got to follow Tiger Tracker. And if you really want to push me for a football guy, Eric Crocker, he played in the league for a little bit, played, I believe yeah. it was in the Arena League. He's got a podcast going called, I believe, I'm actually a press coverage podcast, maybe. Don't quote me on that, but I'm subscribed to it. But DB play, which is probably the hardest thing for me to get my hands on just based on the views, he does a great job breaking that stuff down. And he called Juan Thornhill the best defensive back in the entire draft, so we're already best friends because of it. But uh, here's your football guy you got to follow. All right. uh, We're going to take a small break, and we will be right back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity – But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, now for the offensive questions. Uh, At Tremendous79, this one's for Matt and Matt only. I see you just took your name out of our I sheet. did. I'm not I'm not willing to answer this. He asked you, what right. type of stats would Mecole Hardman need to have this season for Matt to say that it might have been slash probably was a good selection by Brett Veach? He has to outperform percentage-wise, like based on the percentage of Patrick Mahomes stats, what DK Metcalf does to Russell Wilson. 
because I think DK Metcalf was the clear choice. So if he accounts for more of the Chiefs' total yards or more of Pat Mahomes' total passing yards percentage-based than DK Metcalf does for the Seahawks, then I will say it was a smart pick. But we're still going to have to monitor it as the years go on because, again, I think DK Metcalf has a special ceiling. Can't promise he gets there. But passing on that kind of ceiling in the second round just it kills me. It hurts me to the soul. So there's there's the only way I want to say it's a good or great pick. I can't wait for that to happen. I can't wait for that to happen because you I mean, now put I, it on tape. I will gladly crow, just like I said last year with Breland Speaks. Come out and prove me wrong. Just come out and prove me wrong, Breland Speaks. So Miko so Hardman. Hardman is gonna put on a bunch of weight and play running back next year? Well, I mean, people and ask Robert Wilson to be a running back. Hang on, hang on, hang on. This ain't a bad idea. Um, at the layman's terms, what is it that we are expecting to see from Watkins during OTAs that should give us confidence in him being a consistent playmaker this season? Ooh, so during just OTAs, I don't know if you're going to get to see a lot that's going to make you, that's going to change your opinion on him right now. I really don't. But as all of the camp goes on, as you get into like the real training camp, you need to pay attention to when you see clips and if you get a chance to go, like you always should if you're in the area, see what he's doing, just see what routes he's running. Last year, they did ask him to do a lot of stuff, but when you were down at camp, he kind of played your short to intermediate receiver. He ran a lot of in-breaking routes stuff in traffic. He was very clearly an ex-wide receiver possession guy. I think what you want to get a view from him this year is you want to see him doing more, especially with the potential of Tyreek Hill not there. And not that he can't be great in a limited role. Just you want to see him doing everything this year, especially if you get a chance to go down to training camp rather than just such a specific role like last year. Well, and he mentioned last year, he made it a point to say that he was having to learn to do everything. And that's kind of why he liked the offense is because he had to learn all of these routes, he had to learn the entire tree. He had to do a lot more work than he had had done any time else in his career. So there was still a little bit of a growing curve, even for a vet like uh, like Sammy Watkins. Here's the thing. Peter Schrager, AP lobbyist Peter Schrager, said on Good Morning Football this week, he said he's hearing from all the local media down there that Sammy Watkins looks great and he's poised for a breakout year. Well, let's take a step away from that and realize that none of the local media have seen Sammy Watkins play. We know that Peter Shout Schrager... Shout out to Pete Sweeney for that tweet. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Pete Sweeney for that tweet. We know Peter Schrager knows some people. He interviewed Brett Veach recently, this offseason. We know Peter Schrager has a couple ends. We know that the NFL thinks highly of Peter Schrager. He's reportedly helping with the Jets hire of the GM this year. That's that's a little bit surprising that he's even involved in that, but that's that's what the report is. He's got some contacts. If he's got some contacts. If that's Andy Reid saying that, I know that there's a lot of smoke that gets blown this time of year, but Andy Reid was also blowing a hell of a lot of smoke about Patrick Mahomes this time last year, and, well, he wasn't wrong about that. So if Sammy Watkins can stay on the field – we're looking at him maybe poised to make or, you know, to really earn that $19 million this year. Pull back the curtain real quick. If you see any point in time this offseason, Lewis Riddick hype over Sammy Watkins, oh, you yeah. very much Take know it. that it's Andy Reid giving it out bank. there. 
and you know there's real excitement. Now, even if you don't, that doesn't mean there's not real excitement. Just right. if you also get Lewis Riddick hype on this, because Schrager does have a contact somewhere with the Chiefs. I mean, he's got people he knows there and around the NFL, so he's hearing something. But if you get Lewis Riddick that comes out with just, hey, don't sleep on Sammy Watkins for the Chiefs kind of stuff, then it's directly coming from the Chiefs coaching staff, and they're actively excited about it. Hype train if lewis says it hype train at pigskin nut chief we're gonna do a couple over-unders he he's hit us with these before we're gonna do some over-unders here yeah quick kelsey 10 touchdowns over under over over okay uh i'm gonna do over as well yeah oh uh just barely but over I think that he's, yeah, I think he's going to have that possibility. I think he's going to get him mostly at the beginning of the year when he's more of a primary target. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, four and a half TDs over under. Push. Okay. Push, (laughs) push, 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 push. Um, Under. I'm going to go with four. Yeah, I think I'm, he's going to be I'm too much go of a timeshare. Well. Yeah, I think he's going to end up with too much of a timeshare with Nicole Hardman, with Byron Pringle, and with a little bit of a sleeper, Cody Thompson. I think he's going to have a little bit too much of a timeshare to really stack those touchdowns up. And, I, I mean, we, we were asked this in another question, but we, we've kind of addressed this before. We do think that Tyreek Hill is probably playing the back half of the season for the Chiefs. So Demarcus Robinson's, uh, yeah, at minimum. Demarcus Robinson's uh, time as wide receiver two will be short. Uh, Damian Williams, three and a half games with a hundred plus rushing yards. That's that's a good line. That's a really good line. Over. Oh, over. Without an rushing injury, yards. I think he stays as your running back one, though. And I don't know who's really going to push him for enough carries. Like he has the ability to break off chunk plays like 20, 50 yarders. And you just get a couple of those in a good game. That's a good line. It is, but I'm going to go with over. I think he's going to get enough carries to be the clear cut number one and push that number. I, you know what? I, I, not only am I going to say that he's going to be over, I think it's going to be five. I think he is going to have, 10 games with over 100 all-purpose yards. That's bold. All right, quick follow-up. Who has the second most total yards out of the running back room? I think it's going to be Darwin. I think it is going to be Darwin. I think think Carlos Hyde is going to get reps. I think he's going to be in there for his pass-catching ability, but I think these guys are too talented. So I – and – We'll get to another one here in just a second about that room. So uh, for those of you that are on the stream with us, we are doing a live stream right now. If you are not, if you're just listening to the podcast, we are looking forward to doing more of these live video streams throughout the week. You know, kind of interact with you guys a little bit more. But for those of you that are in the stream right now, submit some questions. We're going to take a couple more here, and then we'll get to you guys' stream questions. So at David Maeda 7 it feels like there's a huge amount of running backs and wide receivers currently on the roster. Who do you predict makes the cuts and remains on the team for opening day? Yikes. This is tough. Um, I, I think. I know. I know. I, I should have as well. But we're doing this off the top of our domes. Uh, I think that Damian Williams is making the team. I think that Carlos Hyde is making the team. I think that Darwin Thompson is making the team at running back. I think that they are going to keep one more non-fullback 
on so this Sherman's roster. definitely making the team too, though, right? Sherman, yeah, Sherman's definitely making the okay. team. Dave Tobe loves him way too much. He's definitely making the team. So I think that they're going to try and hang on to James Williams. I think they'll keep him on the roster, even though Daryl Williams has the potential to be a guy. I think that they're going to try and go with James Williams. What do you think about running back, Matt? I think that's the right five. I think if you keep Carlos Hyde, you give yourself a second runner between the tackles. I mean, not that Damian Williams is perfect between the tackles, but he's cap- more than capable of doing it. Carlos Hyde kind of gives you, and I've talked about this with Daryl Williams, you need somebody else to take the between the tackles kind of power runs. If you're keeping Hyde, which I agree with you that they will, they have to. There's got to be a leader in that room, and there has to be a guy that's really good in pass protection for Pat Mahomes. You just have to have some reps where you can put him out there. So give me Hyde as kind of that backup between the tackles runner. Darwin, I think, is a lock. They seem to really like him. I'm with Sherman. And I think James Williams has sneaky slot wide receiver gadget play type upside. Like he <laughs> runs real routes. He doesn't run just swings and Texas routes. He can run real routes. I have no complaints of putting him in the slot and asking him to run a drag across the field and beat a linebacker or a safety or something. So give me his versatility, I think, over Daryl Williams at this point in time. Oh, okay. So That's wide five. receivers. This this is the loaded one. How many wide receivers do we think that they're going to keep? Let's start with that. Seven, because they think only two tight ends, and I feel like okay. that's usually about where they go, right? Nine between the two positions sound right? I think that's about right, yeah. So with that, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill. Opening day, is Tyreek Hill count? Opening day, you're right. He did say opening day. No, I think he'll be on the commissioner's exempt list still for opening day or suspended or however they're going to handle that. But um, Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Cody Thompson, I think makes this squad. Byron Pringle definitely. Sorry, makes someone this asked squad. me to chug the protein shake and it was just water and not a protein shake, but oh, that is why course. I had to do that. Yes. The, the, the most, the most Matt Lane thing someone ever. asked. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Who, nobody's asking me to chuck my beer. This is sideline for <laughs> Craig, somebody to chug ask. Chug your beer. Chug. No, no, it's empty. Um, so that that that's five right there. Um, man, it gets it gets in the weeds after that. Like it really gets in the weeds. Custis could make it. Uh, Dieter, I think, has a shot to make it. I mean, he's Pat's best friend. They'll store him, but. I, I don't know. What, right, what do you sorry. think? I was, think? Uh, I was chugging water. Who did we decide is our first five? Of course. We had Sammy course. Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Nicole Hardman. Nicole. Pringle. Mm-hmm. That's four. Cody Thompson, I agree. That makes you five. So we need two more. I'm still putting Deidre out there, especially yeah. early on. I think he knows the offense well enough. And special teams value. Pat's best friend. Your last position mm-hmm. Am I drawing a blank on somebody else that was here last year? Marcus Kemp. So it's either Marcus Kemp versus Jamal Custis, I think, is where you're looking at for right now. Yeah. Whoever it is, I think, is likely the first guy out once Tyree Kill comes back. Um, With two rookies already on that group, and at least one of them is going to have to participate, like actively play a lot, I think you're going to have to go with Kemp. Just, again, he knows the offense. He has that immediate special teams value. But it's hard because they they paid Custis money. Other teams wanted him. So he offers something that Kemp hasn't really showed yet in the NFL. But just I'm going with a familiar part of the offense with two other rookies already there. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Uh, now we have a Matt take uh, your shirt off question. I can't do that, guys. No, so this is no. a family Twitch stream. One of these times we'll do a Twitch after dark and maybe we'll go shirtless for you guys. I got to get it my pump on dark. before we do it. I can't be embarrassed. Sorry. <laughs> At CL257, if you could pair any receiver outside of the top 10 slash elite with Mahomes, who would you choose? I, I'm going to go with T.Y. Hilton. I think Ooh. T.Y. Hilton would help this offense out quite okay. a bit. He can run the entire route tree. He's still got the speed to threaten deep. We're just talking one year here. I'm not looking future. I'm just looking for a guy that can come in and contribute. I think that he makes a big difference in this offense uh, immediately. This is tricky. This is another one I should have prepared for. So give me a second while I run through some wide receivers <laughs> in my head. So I'm trying to debate which direction I want to go with this, I think, is the pickle. Because Pat, I think, works with anybody. But do I want another speedster sure. like a T.Y. Hilton just open the field up? Like, do I want a Brandon Cooks type guy? Mm. However, mm-hmm. we got to go outside the consensus top 10. So I can't get, like, my wide receiver crush. I love Mike Evans. I don't know if anybody really knows right. that. But Mike Evans is one of my favorite, most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. I'm going to get Mike Evans light and we're going to get Mike Williams. We're going to go ahead and just take him from the Chargers. Okay. I, I like that. I Give like that. He's a big body actually. guy. Give me something. He can work yeah. vertical, but he's a big dude. He can win up in the air. Pat, the best quarterback throwing into tight windows. Give me a guy that can right. operate in tight windows. Now, can he catch? Can he catch a rocket or does he have to just catch shot puts? <laughs> well, I mean, he did play with Deshaun Watson, who notoriously had one of the lowest ball velocities at the NFL Combines. This this That's could true. be a problem. So maybe Keenan Allen. I can do Keenan Allen. <laughs> ah, there you he go. He talks on a trap. But Keenan Allen's in my top ten for what it's worth. He's but not consensus though, is he? There's a lot of guys. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's probably he may not be consensus, but he's in mine. Yeah. Okay, let's take a couple Twitch questions here. We've got. Who is the starting center going into week one? Mr. C. David on the uh, Twitch stream. Austin Ryder. Austin Ryder. I think it's Austin Ryder as well. He seems to be the guy. They're doing all these Hall of Fame retirement things, (laughs) and they keep lining up the offense, and Austin Ryder's the guy that's lining up there. Uh, We got another one. The Kamer 20. What did y'all think about Kendall Fuller's tweet to Mahomes about the no-look passes? Okay, Uh, for those of you who don't know, Uh, Kendall Fuller was in the film room after OTAs today and was tagging Patrick Mahomes on Twitter and saying, hey, it's not fair. You don't get to use no-look passes in OTAs. Save those at least for training camp. Yeah, it's something. I mean, he's obviously feeling himself. He's out there doing the (laughs) non-Marcus Mariota version of the no-look pass. Um, For all those that don't remember that, Mariota directly stayed at a receiver for like 18 minutes had a cup of tea and then threw the ball to him and the Tennessee Titans Twitter account decided to call it a no look pass, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Mahomes is out there doing Mahomes cup things. Of tea. I like that cup of tea. <laughs> and I, I think it's unfair to the defense a little bit. Like these guys are in camp. They're just as Bashad Breland said, he's shaking the rust off right now. You can't go out there and hit him with these no look passes. These guys aren't going to see that in a real game. <laughs> Drew Brees isn't going to run to his left and throw back across the field to the right without looking like, come on, let these guys prepare for the game. Pat, we get it. You're great. Not every quarterback can be Pat Mahomes. Let our guys play against who they're going to play, not against you. <laughs> okay, more likely to be traded in training camp, K-Pass or Hamilton? This is from Kellogg15C. That, uh, that's an interesting question. 
All right, um, K-Pass, because I don't think the front office and coaching staff, from what we know, and this could be completely wrong, but from what we know, particularly likes him. We do think they have fans of Justin Hamilton and the coaching staff and the front office. And I think that the defensive end room, at least as of right now, is a little bit more stacked than the defensive tackle group. So Justin Hamilton provides a little bit more than K-Pass does at this point in time. I, and I agree with everything that you said, but that being said, Tano Passigno has almost no snaps. Justin Hamilton does have a few snaps. I, I, I Tano Passigno could not get on the field behind D. Ford and Justin Houston. That's a tough group to break into. Don't get me wrong. It's a very tough group to break into. But if he can't make this team, they went out and got Frank Clark, Okafor, Ogba over him. They obviously don't trust him. They went out and got Colin Saunders over Justin Hamilton. I think Justin Hamilton's spot on this team oh, is far and they more got secure. Speaks. And that well, and they moved <laughs> Breland Speaks inside. But um, I think Hamilton has more value to this team. So I think it's more likely maybe that Tano Passigno gets cut than Justin Hamilton. But I think that Justin Hamilton might fetch something in a trade for a defensive tackle needy team. Um, do we have any more stream questions? Yes. We got uh, did, the Kamer 20. Yeah. Who wins in an arm wrestling match, Frank Clark or Chris Jones? Oh, man. That's that's a fantastic question. I'm, I'm going to say Frank Clark. I, I think oh. Frank Clark, is, has, he, he's got... Does he have shorter arms than Chris Jones? This one's um, off the They dump. both have long arms, but yes, they are shorter. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with Frank Clark. I think he's just a little stronger. I think I think my answer is gonna be Frank Clark because I think he has the uh, like a, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you and win any competition I can kind of mentality. Whereas Chris Jones, I think if you set him down at an arm wrestling table, would be laughing the entire time. Like I don't know if you could get him to take an arm wrestling <laughs> match super seriously. Whereas I think Frank Clark, like you could pretty much tell him to like watch paint dry. And I think that he would take it competitively if you told him to. I think so too. I, I, I think Frank Clark might stab somebody. Oh, let's hope in not. A watching no, paint no, dry no, let's hope not. competition. We can't, we can't deal with that. that here. Yeah, you're right. We can't deal with that. Okay. <laughs> right. Last one from there the stream. Nate Christensen, three, five, two, nine, two, seven. That's his phone Ragland number guys. Plus a fifth. For Josh Norman, who says no? Okay. Um, the Chiefs say no because they don't want to take on Norman's salary right this instant. If there was a way around paying him his salary, which I believe is still pretty high, maybe it's maybe it's backed off a little bit this year. I'd have to double check. But if it's still like top five, six CB money, I think the Chiefs wouldn't want to do that. But if you had him for a reasonable price, then I think it's a pretty fair trade given the Redskins' losses at linebacker this year. Yeah, and that for those of you who aren't aware, Reuben Foster, torn ACL already in preseason here. Uh, for what it's worth, Josh Norman has a $14.5 million <sighs> cap lofty. hit. If he were to be traded, it would be an $11.5 million cap hit for the Chiefs. That's acceptable. That's actually... That's actually not awful, but there are rumors that he's going to be cut. I think that I'd hold just because I think that there's an opportunity that he gets out, and I do think that Kendall Fuller and Bashad Breeland being on this team is actually kind of a boon for the Chiefs to be able to go out 
and get Josh Norman in a free agent situation there. Yeah, and I, th- I think I'd agree. I would definitely hold and see if he gets cut first. But like the trade seems pretty fair for both sides. I haven't scoured the Redskins depth chart, but I think that they also lost Preston Brown in free agency or the other Preston inside linebacker, one of those Preston inside linebackers they lost in free agency. <laughs> um, they did get Ruben Foster, but uh, they could use linebacker help at this point in time. So yeah, Ragland makes sense. They, could. they still run a 3-4, so he would be more at home again there. So yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense, especially if the Redskins are looking to move on from him. Yep. Uh, last question of the podcast here. I, I really like this question. I really do. I'm, oh, I, I'm happy that we're finishing in with uh, at right C two fourteen hypothetical NFL overtime rules replace the coin toss with a blind bid auction. The lowest field position submitted in a blind bid gets the ball first. So, for instance, one team says maybe we'll start on the nineteen yard line, but the other team says the eighteen. The team that bids lowest gets the ball. What is the starting field position? Four overtime in the AFC Championship game last year, Maddie. Oh no, you go first. You you like this one a lot. I want to hear your answer. I do. I do. It's the one yard line. Whew. It's the one yard line, and it's and it's probably a tie because the Chiefs are definitely getting the ball after the way that their defense has played throughout the year. They don't care. Put Pat Mahomes on the one-yard line. Give him the ball with the current overtime rules. Not, you know, if they score a touchdown, they win. Give the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid wants the ball, and he will build the lowest that he can. And Bill Belichick would bid the lowest that he could as well. It's a tie. I don't know what the tiebreaker in that situation would be, but Bill would definitely take a one-yard line as well. All right. I'm going to say the six-yard line. And I, I get you. I think both teams really want the ball, and that's why I'm going as low as the six. But I think if you've seen anything from NFL coaches, they are cowards. They are <laughs> such cowards most of the time. They are not going to take – I don't think they're going to take the ball on the one-yard line. All it takes is one player to penetrate on a running play, one player to win on a quick sack. It's a safety and game over. You take the ball on the six – you can have a three-step drop or a one-step drop out of shotgun and get sacked and still not result in a safety. You give yourself that one messed up play buffer if you take it on the six-yard line. And I get it. Like, I mean, if the, in that situation of that particular game, maybe somebody tries to undercut the other one. But I just I feel like six is about the lowest that head coach is going to go in the NFL. They just they don't want to lose the game for their team. You see that time and time again with fourth down decisions, run the ball decisions instead of trying to pick up a first down. Teams are too often cowards. Six yard line is where I'm going. Yeah, see, I'm going to channel Kent Swanson from the Caribbean here. Yeah, but you have Patrick LaVon Mahomes. And I run my fingers through my non-existent hair. And that's how we'll close the podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, look for us later this week. Maddie and I are going to sit down. And we're going to have a uh, sort of in-depth conversation about uh, Steve Spagnolo and the defense. And we'll have another podcast for you later this week. Thanks for joining us, guys.